we knew it was huge, right? Like the second that we found out about it and it was top secret and only a couple of us knew and we're coordinating all the chats and dealing with all the extra fact checking and all those things, like we all knew it was a big moment and not just a big moment for burner and cookies, but a big moment for the cannabis industry. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to an episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Crystal Milliken, head of marketing retail for Cookies. Crystal, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brian and Kellen. Good to be here. Good to see you. Kellen, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Really excited to talk to Crystal. Really excited to dig into Cookies brand. I think it's one of... The- the most well-known, if the only known brand in the cannabis space, you know, I'm even more excited because I think that it's another West Coaster for us West Coasters out here. How are you doing today, Brian? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. And I'm very excited to talk cookies and, and marketing and brand building. And we can get into all those fun things. And you're right. Crystal may live on the West Coast, but I think cookies specifically <laughs> is as most of my friends believe, a very East Coast brand because they are very, very popular here. So Crystal, I guess if we had to put you on the record, East Coast, West Coast, where would your alliance be? I mean, our heart is always in the city of San Francisco at Cookies. But I will tell you, we have enjoyed building our brand on the East Coast. And if there is a second home for Burner, it is New York City all the way. So we have our heart in both places. Let the record reflect. So, Crystal, for our our listeners that aren't really about you, can give a little background about yourself and then how we went from management consulting to cookies. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit of background about myself. It's an interesting path through cannabis. Um, You know, I grew up in a pretty religious community. I wasn't part of a religious family, but kind of grew up in a very conservative place with the dad who was growing cannabis in the backyard sort of situation. So I was the kid writing, you know, my economics high school term paper on legalizing marijuana and war on drugs at a really long age, like technically before I even smoked a joint. So went to college, Arizona, went to Arizona, Kellen, go cats, expanded my horizons a bit, grew up in tech, spent some time at Google, left, went and did management consulting, was there for couple decades. So I'm aging myself a little bit there. But while I was there, have always been had my own experiences with the plant, always stayed connected to kind of what was going on in the industry, took on emerging verticals. Uh, so new industries obviously could see cannabis coming together in a legal way was the person who was like, we have to do some discovery on this, we have to be ready for cannabis, because at the end of the day, brands win, whether you're a CPG company, a retail company, or in the cannabis space. And so inevitably, Cookies actually came to us as a, as a client first. So at the time, Cookies had a couple products they were working on in California, and the idea for being a retail company and needed kind of like a, a roadmap on like, how do you build the people, process, and tools that you need to really blitz scale in the retail space for cannabis. So it was putting that roadmap together, was actually hiring the head of retail for cookies at the time when thankfully Parker and Burner kind of took me over to the side and said, we actually think it's you. Would you be willing to kind of jump ship and join us on this rocket ship? Knew it was a once in a lifetime opportunity Absolutely loved working with Parker and Burner. Knew I was going to learn 
more in this role than I ever than I had in the prior two decades in a very short period of time. And all of that has been true and feel very grateful and blessed for making the leap over every day. I love it. So let's uncover how big is actually cookies, right? Everyone knows the brand, which is incredible to even actually say that and actually have some meaning behind it. But like, how big is cookies and kind of what is underneath cookies? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, right? So if you go back, I think it's like 15 plus years now, right? Cookies at the time was uh, our two founders, Jai, who's kind of our plant whisperer, right? Kind of participated in the genetics that became Girl Scout cookies. Uh, Burner was a bud tender, probably the best bud tender at the time, uh, and probably still is the best bud tender <laughs> today. And an aspiring rapper in San Francisco, you know, initially, Burner was making sure uh, other rappers in the Bay Area had the products that they needed for for their time. Um, kind of inspired him to enter clothing uh, as his kind of music career grew. So did the Cookies name. So Cookies Clothing has been around 15 years, I think. Um, and then about five years ago is when Cookies kind of made the leap into the legal cannabis space. Um, So when I joined five years ago, the first event I went to uh, was Hippie Hill in San Francisco. Burner was performing. There was a like a a very modest cookies tent and a jar full of blue gumballs, which was just like that was it. That was cookies at the time. And, you know, five years later, we are very proud to say we were in 26 markets across the U.S. in Puerto Rico. We're in six different countries. We're opening our 70th store today in Tampa. So grown a lot and a lot of uh, a lot of people grinding day in and day out to make it all happen. I mean, that's incredible. And I mean, very, very diverse company. And so how do you guys manage like the retail division with kind of the cannabis division? Is there like co-mingling, sharing ideas back and forth? Like, what's that dynamic like? Yeah, yeah. The, the clothing side of the business with the yeah. cannabis. Yeah. Yeah, where I would say like obviously we're uh, we work incredibly closely together. We're very integrated. I call us like sister companies, obviously for reasons uh, that we all know about, right? The Cookies Clothing Company is its own entity with its own management structure and its own team, and the cannabis uh, side of the company is run separately. Uh, but we we work really well together. If you go into any of our cookies dispensary, you'll have your own. Uh, we call it our local reserve clothing line. Uh, from the Cookies SF team. So every store gets their own tailored cookies clothing experience. And we, we work on events together. We all work very, very closely together. Is the clothing sometimes used to, let's say, prime the market to see if it's worthwhile to move a dispensary in there? For example, if you're going to, say, go for a newer market and not sure if the Cookies brand pops, can you do an activation with the clothing and see just based on how the response is with the consumer base to see if, hey, maybe this is an under the radar market that we need to get in? Yeah, definitely taking a look at where clothing does well kind of helps into you know helps give us indication of of how we will do as a cannabis company or a cannabis retail store in that city or space. So it's uh, uh, a lot of good data and information sharing uh, and cross pollination between the cookie side of the business on the cannabis side and the clothing side with Cookies SF. Is there times when like the the clothing division says like hey this is really popular maybe we should try to create a cannabis product that's emphasizing more on some of these branding features that are are kind of taken off in the clothing side or or is it kind of vice versa you see trends in the cannabis space that you guys feed into the clothing space it's a two-way street right and it's all you know 
we've been really working on the marketing side to connect the ecosystem, right? End of the day, on both sides of the business, we have the same DNA. It's about uh, the culture that is cookies. We're all looking at the same, uh, we're all seeing kind of the same trends and also looking at setting some trends ourselves. So it's definitely a two-way street in terms of like what on the cannabis side might be uh, inspiring for the rest of our cookies ecosystem. And and honestly, with Burner's music too, right? Burner's music career, it, you know, a lot of ideas come from a lot of different places. And, and on the marketing side, you know, it's a, a, a a big uh, opportunity for us to kind of connect that full ecosystem and get the right cookies product, whether it's on the clothing side of the business or on the cannabis side of the business or in a, you know, at a show where Burner's at, get the right cookies product to the right person at the right time. It's spectacular that you have all those tools right at your disposal, because most companies don't even have the type of visibility or the approach with the clothing or burners reach and with the the brand building that cookies has. But at the same time, that is a very, very challenging opportunity because while you want to do certain activations, I'm sure you're hamstrung by limitations and obstacles that just seem kind of silly from the initial onset. But this is cannabis and that's just how the game works. Sure. We are always hurdle jumping and running through flaming hoops of issues on the campus side of the business. It's a huge opportunity. It also comes with a lot of pressure too, right? Because you think of a, a, a brand that's been built over decades, right? I think there's very high expe- expectations for us in how we show up um, for our customers, for our consumers. So it is it is a blessing every day, but we also have a lot of pressure on ourselves to make sure we're we're staying true to the brand. Um, and that isn't always easy to do in the way the cannabis industry is set up today. So one of the areas that I definitely want to get into is in New York. Everyone yeah. saw outside Macy's that massive billboard, which I'm sure was from a visibility standpoint, incredible. What was the approach to get something like that? And internally, was it discussed that this was going to just be an awareness piece for priming the market for future growth? I think Burner's always had his eyes on having a clothing store in New York City, right? Like it's it's decades in the making and the opportunity presented itself and was a lot of fun getting our clothing store in Herald Square. And uh, that billboard was incredible as well. (laughs) Was it? possible to gauge, let's say, how many people potentially saw it? And was it, I guess it must have been understood internally, that this was solely based on awareness piece, because I'm just going to assume that some people walked into that store expecting to purchase cookies products. Sure. I'm sure people walk into the store every day uh, expecting to to purchase cookies, Canada's products. Um, and then they learned that, that uh, it's just clothing. But I will say, right, we do have clothing stores. We have them in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York. So there's a lot of people who are going to the cookie store knowing that it's going to be clothing. You know, is an awareness play also is just like the right spot in on the East Coast. There's no better city to be in uh, than New York. So yeah, high visibility market, a market that's near and dear to Burner's Heart. Um, knew we had to get a presence there. I was going to say too, in terms of knowing people, we're really lucky too, because some of the time, like Berna will say, where should I put a clothing store on social media, right? And we will be able to see how many people tell us where to go, right? And uh, so in addition to kind of what we see in the data, we really do a lot of customer listening and the way Burner interacts with the world, right? We We get to see where people are telling us to go. And New York is like always at the top. When we said we were going there, um, and opening a clothing store there. We had a grand opening 
think there were like 6,000 RSVPs, right? Like not, you know, 6,000 people wanted to know when will that store open and how can I show up for it? So that's incredible. I was just wondering though, you have customers walk in having that uh, concept that maybe I can buy canvas here. What was that conversation like with retailers when you were like, no, it's just a clothing store. I know that media says that we also do cannabis. Like, did you guys have to have that same exact conversation with the the regulators when you you went to go stand the store up? For uh, the cookies clothing store in New York? For the cookies clothing store. I mean, we didn't really have to do any conversations with the regulators ahead of time for opening the clothing store, right? right. So obviously we've been in close There wasn't time. any misconfusion. Or mis- yeah, there was, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have done, I know we did... Um, we have Cookies U in California. So I, I don't know if you guys all know about this, but another thing that is near and dear to all of us at Cookies is every year we do a cohort in Humboldt where we kind of have our full seed to, seed to sale uh, supply chain up there. And a bunch of people apply. We take you know social equity individuals and those who've been impacted by the war on drugs and kind of walk through what it might be like to explore a career on, on the legal side of the cannabis business. We had a couple of alums from New York. so. I will say the OCAM was interested when we did a social impact learning session that was really driven by our alum from Cookies U who wanted to kind of share their experiences to a community. We uh, did hear from them that, you know, they're interested in social equity and we're curious about Cookies U. So even though it was happening at a clothing store, they do notice us. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to because if you go into any sort of the illegal dispensaries, uh, according to my friends, you are the most popular brand in New York, which is exciting, but also at the same time kind of challenging because as a marketer, you want to make sure that your products are displayed a certain way. And given the complexities of what's going on, is that a challenge internally? I mean, at one point, it must be nice. You're priming the market. But on the other hand, there has to be some sort of concern and understanding that, hey, this might be making our brand look a certain way that we it's not in line with the cookies. Quote unquote, yeah, brand. I mean, you're hitting both sides of it perfectly, Brian, right? Like when I wear my brand hat in terms of brand awareness, like there is no higher form of compliment than that type of product being out in the market. Um, So on that side, we're always flattered by it. With my business hat on, obviously, like I have big goals to hit. Those products do not hit my P&L at the end of the day and, and probably take away from what I can achieve once I'm legally into a market, right? So we definitely invest in a brand protection agency that supports us in kind of identifying counterfeit products and do the best we can to direct all of our customers to legal cookies products you can purchase. Uh, Go to our website, look at our store locators, you know, check cannabis menu platforms. That's where you're going to find legal product being sold in your city. Can we anticipate legal products in New York anytime soon? There are legal products in New York, Brian. For cookies? We launched, yeah. I mean, it's a limited line of cookies products are in New York right now. So we have a couple of our manufactured products. So we don't have any of our flour yet in market, but we have some infused pre-rolls that are there. And then some of our dual chamber vapes and our 510 vapes are in New York today. What does that kind of a launch look like? Do you guys always kind of do a soft launch in new markets or is it kind of like you just pick and choose? Like, how does that work? I will say the cookies brand is not super into soft launching. We're definitely, you know, definitely into more of a flex when it comes to entering a place. Then usually when we're opening a market, we do our best to time, 
favorite products coming down with an exciting retail store location. And we do. So if you look at Albuquerque, right, which is the, the big new market that came on for us in November, right? It was like the weed is here, the store is here, burner is here, lots of long lines, wonder like a, a really uh, you know, I call it retail theater, right? Like we have the hero moment of like cookies is here to stay. Obviously in New York, right? We are we're going to enter the market the way New York is asking us to, right? And so right now, that means we will uh, enter New York with our manufactured products, kind of a more limited product line. Uh, and uh, we will show up in New York how New York demands us to show up. Fast. That was yeah. a good answer. Yeah, Very I mean, good answer. <laughs> I mean, on social media, you see it, right? They're, the openings of the store, they're they're not soft openings. And maybe they're intended to be soft openings, but they're long lines. And I'm sure there's expectations from every single person who's showing up there. They want to see Burner. They want to get a product. And that's got to be really difficult from a marketing sense because if it's everyone's first day that there's a chance you might have run out of product, people don't understand the SOPs, they might have to wait a little longer. It's a really hard balance, especially if it's if it's people's first experience with the brand. Yeah, I will say it's a lot of pressure, right? It's a lot of pressure. A few things always make it go pretty well, right? Like Burner shows up and he does, like he he authentically cares about like our retail stores, right? They they are a home. It's like the physical expression of the experience he wants people to have with our products. So he will he will be there and he will make sure, you know, at the very least he gets to walk by everyone and and make sure they like look him in the eye and and he he gets time with with anyone who's showing up for a line. So there's always that I will say our lines are super friendly. I mean, they're there, they like they're prepared, they've got their chairs, they're ready to camp. I we have had so few issues with our lines, uh, with a couple of exceptions. When we do seed drops, sometimes our lines and the people who show up for seed drops are a little bit different than the the canvas <laughs> openings. Uh, <laughs> so there's been some issues there. And then, um, you know, uh, I will say there's a, a neighboring market to New York where we had a little bit of a rowdy line, but for for the most part, everyone's there. It's a good vibe. They're in good spirits. They kind of know what they're signing up for and. And we do everything we can to to deliver the best experience that we can that day. Do you guys typically try to launch with specific genetics? Yes, we do. Right. So, you know, that is. Is it um, the same every time? Like, how's that whole conversation go? No, it's not going to be the same every time. You know, I think it's like, you know, we have our core lineup. We we do. We do. um a lot of, we call it menu planning, right? But essentially it's like, what is our product assortment that we're going in with the market with, right? And there's always going to be kind of the core staples that people want to see. So London Pound Cake 75, Gary Payton, kind of our typical lineup. And then we always want to bring some of like the new and exciting bangers to market as well, right? So like some of the markets that we're going to be launching soon, you're going to see like batshit coming right and some other new new flavors that we've been rolling with in california and then extending out to other markets as as we are able to do so so um yeah the menu planning uh you know starts in california is only going to get better now that we have our r&d facility like fully running and gunning up in humboldt um and that's you know that's something that we're all very proud of i think is connected to our core values around the plant um, so the genetic story of cookies is is just going to continue to uh, evolve and be, you know, 
even more of of what we're doing in terms of how we're we're showing up for for cookies fans. As a marketer, are you involved in the entire process? Because I'm sure your touch is critical to ensure that it's kind of placed from origin to kind of release. Are you involved the entire pipeline? Yeah, I mean, we're we're. I would say almost everyone at Cookies is aware of that entire pipeline, right? So, you know, our our two of our core values are centered around the plant and the seed side of the supply chain, uh, the kind of the legacy of the cannabis market. And so, we, you know, everyone at Cookies, even if you're crunching numbers during part of your day, right, you're you're gonna know um, what's coming and kind of understand the importance of every step in that process. So when you guys go into a new state, then picking your partner is almost like you guys are like asking someone to join your little family. So like, how's that whole like screening? Because you got to go in and give them the genetics way before launch, right? Because they have to grow it and do that whole like get cannabis thing, you know, right? It takes a really long time to go from seed to sale in every market. So yeah, partner selection is mission critical for us. Uh, our partner like partnerships are the foundation of our business. We're really grateful for all of our partners. Uh, that's what helps us get into 26 markets and move a bit faster and speedier um, than what some other uh, companies are able to accomplish. But yeah, we we uh, have a long lead time and a lot of onboarding, a lot of QC, whether it's on the cultivation side or on the retail side. We're day in, day out working with our partners to make sure we're living up to the cookies reputation in every market. What's been your favorite marketing event? My favorite marketing event. Or effort. Effort. Um, I mean, really, I will say the New York clothing opening was incredible, right? It was just like, I remember the first people in line. They were the same first people in line that we had for our first store in Worcester, Massachusetts. So our first store in Massachusetts, was the same two people. And it was it was just a day. It was beautiful, wonderful day. It was a historic moment for us at Cookies um, to have that presence on the East Coast. Um, and the rooftop, you, like, you can't beat it. It's just the best location. What's one marketing effort you thought would flop, but surprised you and was successful? One marketing effort we thought would flop, but then was successful. These are good questions. I mean, this isn't really a flop, but this is something that has become a marketing thing that we didn't plan to be a marketing thing, right? Burner wants to be involved in hiring for our retail stores. We want him to be involved in hiring for our retail stores. He's a busy person. I can't travel him all over the place, right? So it was like full COVID, everything shut down, Burner wanting to still hire people, us trying to figure out how to do that. Right. Dealing with IT issues, Zoom, number of rooms, like, okay, how are we going to get these, you know, 100 people through this virtual hiring event? Right. It is about hiring the the people for the retail store. What I didn't know is like how important that is also from a marketing or what a value that adds from a marketing perspective. Like one, gets everyone really excited about the market. Two, helps us hire the right people who are going to be burner blessed and represent the brand really well. Three, leads to massive amount of lead generation that we're able to get for people who already love cookies, who then become our best customers with the best customer LTV. So that's like, you know, not a flop, but it was something we were we were putting together during the pandemic to try to solve a, an issue or a problem that then it ended up being like, it's in the playbook, right? It's in the marketing playbook and it's in our 
at what we do. And it's a really important part of what we do now on the marketing side for retail stores. I think that makes perfect sense. I can only imagine someone showing up for an interview, just being like really excited to, to potentially interview for cookies, speaking to Burner. And then that first phone call out to his friend being like, you're not going to believe who interviewed <laughs> me. And then that just kind of spreading like viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's been incredible. It's what we're here for, for sure. Let's talk about the cover of Forbes. How yeah. does something like that transpire? And does it just transpire everything you possibly could imagine just from an image standpoint, because it was massive for the industry and mm -hmm. I'm sure big for Burner, but also big to just break down the barriers of like what was considered just impossible for cannabis people to do and just incredible accomplishment. So like, how did something like that happen and was a longer process? Like, take us through that period. It's actually like a, a quicker process than some press opportunities, right? But it was inbound, right? So journalist was doing the article. Um interested in kind of the most influential leaders in the space, asked to talk to Burner, set that up. You know, Forbes doesn't mess around, unlike some other journalistic entities that we've bumped elbows with. There's a lot. I had to get condensed into a short period of time. You know, journalists wanted to spend time with Burner, and he ended up on the cover of Forbes, right? So I think a lot of that has to do with Burner and his deep ties to the cannabis space and also the influential nature of who he is in the industry. Did it surprise you the the response by the industry and kind of the value that it, it kind of demonstrated? We knew it was huge, right? Like the second that we found out about it and it was top secret and only a couple of us knew and we're coordinating all the chats and dealing with all the extra fact checking and all those things, like we all knew it was a big moment. Um, and not just a big moment for for Burner and Cookies, but a big moment for the cannabis industry. Obviously, I think it was even bigger than than we realized it would be. But all of us had a sense as we were waiting in anticipation for that Forbes cover that it was it was going to be a big deal. Was the waiting part the like the hardest part of the whole process then? Just kind of knowing and waiting for it to hit and then making sure that you kind of put everything in place to try to capture that momentum the best you could. Yeah. And we were really lucky too, right? Sometimes just like the stars align. It was a sprint. So it wasn't like they reached out eight months earlier or anything like that, right? It was like sprint the whole time. So all of us were sprinting through it, ended up lining up with our New Jersey market entry, which, you know, just was completely perfect. So I remember we were trying to get 50 copies for the New Jersey opening so that Burner could sign them. And I literally like landed in LaGuardia and was like, taking it from the airport, <laughs> taking 15 <laughs> copies of Forbes from the airport shop on my way to, to Lodi, New Jersey for the day. So, so yeah, it was a lot of anticipation as you're waiting for it. But then, you know, we're like going right into how do we use it and what's coming up next. And the timing was just perfect. So just a lot of action and work around it. I can only imagine and certainly how exciting that was like to see that first day. Did did Burner also recognize though, like just the the paramount accomplishment that is for the cannabis industry to be on the cover of a magazine like that? 100%. 100%. I will say like we work with a lot of different folks, right? And there's a lot of different celebrities in cannabis and in music. And I've had my own experiences in prior lives too with influential people, right? And it can be interesting working with those types of individuals, right? I will say Burner's incredible in these moments because he 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 is very 
he knows how big it is. Like he realizes the awe in it, right? And, you know, he has worked insanely hard to be where he is. And at the same time, I think, you know, it's a big deal. And he recognizes it's a big deal and he gets it. No, as you can say, I think that authentic nature is what makes cookies and burner so attractive to the masses is because he's just authentic, relatable. It's like he's just like an everyday Joe, you know what I mean? And the bud tender experience coupled on top of that. I mean, how do you take all of that and help fuel the brand? Yeah, I mean, it is our lifeblood of the brand, right? It is infused into everything that we do, right? It is, it's no joke. Like, I think, you know, Burner's the best bud tender on the planet today, right? And he just has built this incredible platform with which to share his experiences with so many people who are learning about cannabis or might be using cannabis for medicinal purposes or might be needing to laugh or might be needing to relax, right? He's kind of that ultimate bud tender and and like firmly believes the bud tender should be the guide of the experience. And and he's been involved from the start. What does the retail experience look like? What what does our menu planning look like in California? He names every strain. He works on the artwork with us, right? He's uh, hands-on in the perfect way for the brand. How is the conversation with, let's say, people outside of the cannabis industry, maybe influencers or celebrities that are friends with Burner, interested in partnering, understanding the the reach from a global standpoint, the cookies have interested in cannabis. That has to be an ongoing influx of people interested in kind of demoing the waters. How does that conversation work? Is it vetted based on fit within the organization? It must be a challenging balance. Yeah, I think it it starts with honesty, right? I think a lot of people think they're going to come in the cannabis industry put their name on something and have an immediate revenue stream that's going to be flowing in, right? It, it is not that, right? So I think, you know, that is, that upfront honesty is really important. Like, you're going to come in here and we're going to help you launch a product or do a collab with you or build a brand, right? It is hard work. It is a grind. It takes time. It's like the plant. You have to nurture it. You have to bring it to life. You have to make sure everything, every nutrient it needs is is ready and available um, at the exact moment it is needed. So, you know, there's a, a lot of inbound interest in collabs and brown building with us. And some of it is really exciting, but we always start with honesty, which is like, you want to lose sleep and have gray hair? Like, let's talk about it then, you know? Any any partnerships you can tease out for 2024? We do have one that is not yet announced, but we are working on for 2024. It's just, so, the, just the three of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three of us. Yeah. Yeah. Can we get a hint? And, and it, I I can't hint without giving it away. But but uh, if we can bring it to life. In 2024, I, I think it'll be one that uh, a lot of people are are uh, really into. It is another one that's kind of like a full ecosystem builder for us. So, yeah. What's been your favorite partnership or collab from the past? Then? For me, it's it's that Badu all day, right? Like working with Ms. Badu and her team. I think that like that collab kind of kicked off about a year ago it was just another incredible experience working with a woman who is unapologetically herself pioneering in so many ways and then bringing that energy and her expertise to life in cannabis was was an honor um and it has been 
you know, a very successful partnership with us, in addition to being incredibly enjoyable. Girl Scout cookies is the most popular? Strain of all time? Sure, Brian. Is for, <laughs> for cookies, though. Oh, for cookies. I mean, we no longer have Girl Scout cookies strain that's out like specifically out in the market in that way. I mean, you know what kind of is like the tried and true for us over the last few years? Another incredible partnership. Gary Payton just continues to be in the top in every market. It's in the top five strains. Whenever we have it, it's a tried and true train that's strain that so many people enjoy, including myself. It's a it's a goodie. What does cookies internally believe should be more popular? What do we internally believe should be more popular? It's a good question. I mean, I think I will say we have another partnership that we should that is also very enjoyable with the Ridgeline Farms crew up over in California. We have a strain Ridgeline Lance that is hometown favorite and it does perform well, but I think it's a sleeper strain that more people should be talking about and learning about. And we're extending it to more markets, hoping people kind of catch on to how delicious it is. What's your favorite product in the cookies portfolio? My favorite product in the cookies portfolio. I mean, I do love our That Badu line. Everything in the That Badu line, I love. Outside of THC, another product I think doesn't get enough chat are caps, right? So we have functional mushroom CBD and functional mushroom THC caps for daytime and nighttime. And I will tell you that is probably the product that I personally use most often to kind of like give me a little bit of a boost during the day and help me lightly go to sleep at night. So yeah, that's a that's another sleeper product that I think more people should know about. I read a quote that Burner says he has enough strain genetics to drop until 2080. Yeah, we've been hard at work in our R&D facility. What yeah. is that I mean, like? Yeah, it's everything, right? And and I, you know, obviously, Burner went through an incredibly impactful health moment personally as we've been building this business and scaling this business. And I think, you know, for himself and for us, we are thinking about cookies a hundred years out. You know, as many fires that need to be put out in the present, and as many important goals that we have to hit for 2023, 2024, 2025 that we are laser focused on. We are also talking about the genetics portfolio that's going to get us to 2080 and beyond. You know, how are we going to be here for 100 years past any of us? So, uh, yeah, we're working on it. Is that like a shift in mindset internally when he has like that scare? Does it become more so like, hey, this is my focus. I want to make sure that this outlives for my kids. Is that that became like a big focus for him of extending that that thought process? I think so. Right. I think it's like a lot of things were happening all at the same time for us around then. It was like, you know, COVID, full COVID, right? There was a lot going on. There was a ton of growth and it was a moment for reflection and also an inflection point for us as well, right? Like we knew we had to keep our eye on what we needed to do every day in the moment to get to our goals, but we also needed to do it in a way that sets us up to live up to what cookies means to so many people thinking about it much further out. How's the response been globally? We've seen some of the public social media stuff. It's it's incredible to watch. Is that surprising to you? How is the growth being? And then especially going out there, how, how do you as the marketer kind of educate an audience that is a little more distant, a little different marketing style? That 
Is that complex or am I just kind of looking too far into it? It is. It can be complex. I mean, it can be challenging. I think it's that is where social media, right, is is a really helpful channel. Social media is a very frustrating part of marketing in cannabis, but it is also that is where we really get a good sense of who's thinking about us, who's talking about us, what are they saying, what are they looking for? And then on top of that, we have burners, social presence, right? It's like he has, he's, we're able to build deep connections and do a lot of customer listening through, through social media. Social media is hard in the, in the cannabis space, but you guys have clearly successfully navigated. What do you think have been some of your, the approaches you've taken that other organizations haven't? that have helped you guys build your brand nationally? Yeah, that's a good question. I think in terms of different marketing mix, it is, it's challenging across the board for cannabis businesses, right? And then every marketing dollar you spend has to be really hardworking, right? So constantly talking about how do I... How do we use marketing dollars in a way we're better able to attribute sales to the marketing effort? Was that incremental? Can I tell if it's incremental, right? All these things are happening on the marketing side for us every day. Where we've landed on that is with big focus on our owned channels, right? So like our website, who's going there? What are they clicking on? What are they looking for? How do we, you know, how do we turn that interested visitor into a customer and hopefully a long-term cookies loyalist, right? So, you know, we're really diving a lot deeper into our own channels. And then the other piece of that is we are looking at how we really let our customers know that we care about what they're interested in. We care about how they want us talking to them. Do you want us to talk to you on email? Do you want us to talk to you on text? Do you want us to, do you just want to check us out on social, right? And then making that, making sure we're teeing that individual up with what they're looking for on the medium that they want it, right? So that's not easy. And we, it's not something we we're doing perfectly today, but that is what we're talking about getting right. Because I think that if we can do that right, um, it helps us get around some of the other challenging aspects of marketing and cannabis. What's the most expensive lesson you've ever learned? We've uh, started down some paths, right? Building stores and or cultivation relationships that we've had to switch gears on. So those are always expensive lessons. But honestly, sometimes in the short term, it's better just to take a, a little loss before it becomes a bigger loss. Well said. Are there any underrated elements you think your team deserves more attention for? Yeah, I mean, I guess just all the hard work, you know, it's interesting, right? Even something today, there was like a, a little bit of a of, of a bobble today on, on something we were working on. And at the same time, we're at the end of 2023, right? We're opening our 20th store today. We entered seven new markets this year, right? It has been a hustle. It has been a grind. There are people who've lost holidays, lost weekends in order to make that all possible. And yeah, I think that I think that's it. I just really would want everyone uh, on the Cookies fam, every person who's a, making all of this a reality to know that the hard work is seen and appreciated and why we are able to put the W's up on the board at the end of the day. What is one aspect about cookies that most wouldn't know? That most wouldn't know. 
All the secrets. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> I mean, that is interesting to say, Khaled, right? Because it's like, I, I think we're at Cookies, we are a pretty open book, right? Like, it's hard for me to think of like what it is that people wouldn't know. I mean, hopefully everyone knows how much care is taken throughout the entire seed to sale process, right? You know, maybe it would just be a reiteration of that, right? Like we truly care about everyone who is touching the plant along the way and how our customers are experiencing it. Hopefully that is known, but how deeply we really care about that, maybe. Dream smoking session, three people dead or alive. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Three people dead or alive. Okay, I put my dad in there for sure. And then would run it back with Ms. Badu any day. That's an experience that I would love to have again. Uh, I'm trying to think about someone who might not be around. I don't know. Does Gloria Steinman smoke weed? Let's smoke weed with her today. All right. I mean, she's not dead, but anyway. If you could put anything on a billboard, metaphorically speaking, to get a message out to billions of people, could be an image, a quote, or word, or something that inspired you. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Something that inspired me personally. A billboard up for a billion people to see. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I'd probably just do some image around, like, growth through learning. I'm trying to think of what it would be. I'd have to sit down with my creative team to get a better uh, a better image, but I think that's it, right? Like I'm a learner, right? I think that's why I'm happy to be in the this industry every day. Like want to keep learning and growing. And that is, that's like what inspires me and keeps me moving every day. And there's just never ending amounts of it at cookies and in cannabis. Well said. When you got started on your cannabis journey, what did you get right? And most importantly, what did you get wrong? Hmm. Okay. What did I get wrong? I think for me, I am a very goal-focused person and I'm always focused on like the next improvement. And obviously with the speed at which this industry moves and the speed at which the brand moves, if you're a person who's like, great, that's done, next up, next, next improvement, next improvement, next improvement. I think the thing I miss is sometimes taking a breath and soaking in what has been accomplished and making sure every person who's been a part of it understands like the milestone that we've met. So I think like that's the thing that I know I've missed and gotten wrong in the past um, and want to keep working on getting it right in the future. What we got right, I think like, you know, we've figured out how to get our cookies products to the most people that we can as quickly as we can. I think that, you know, that was a big part of this first few years of growth for us was, you know, like, let's get cookies to all the people who want it. And as as quickly as we can, uh, while living up to our quality standards and staying true to our core values, I think we have, for the most part, got that right. That's really well said. All right, prediction time. Crystal, five years from now, what has Cookies done to leverage its lifestyle brand to unlock a wider global cannabis market? Yeah, what has Cookies done? I mean, it is connecting our ecosystem fully, right? Like what we want to be is like Cookies as one brand, right? So like today there's clothing and there's cannabis. We are sisters, but there's still separation for that. Like in five years when our ecosystem is fully connected, I think that is when we are 
hitting that kind of global point where we're able to really meet our our customer demands of us, right? It's it's still a challenge for us to be able to do that with the way the cannabis industry is set up for day, today. Hopefully in five years, things are different. And, and we've really connected that full ecosystem. Tell him. I mean, I just have to pick back on what Crystal says. I think that it's also going to be just really big for the industry. If you can merge like clothing and music and cannabis, right? It brings cannabis kind of out of this closet into this mainstream accepted entity that's kind of part of global society. And that'll just be good for, for everyone. Um, what do you think, Brian? I would love to see like a concert with cookies kind of headlining it from a marketing standpoint and it being kind of a consumption-based concert. I think more activations where events are, I think obviously it's a, seems like a no-brainer down the road, but just seems like the perfect kind of intersection given the audience and yeah. the the skill set that Burner has and the reach. It just seems like the perfect blend to unlock that stigma and to allow for somebody who's maybe more of a music fan, has an experienced cannabis, to come to an event like that and recognize, hey, it's not like I thought. It's a little different. And because of that, maybe I'm willing to give it a try. And I think that type of approach is going to help unlock what so many people believe, which is going to be a, an exploding industry and just knock down the barriers going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you, Brian. I think uh, more consumption-friendly music experiences would be good for the world, for sure. Good for everybody. So, Crystal, yeah. for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to purchase Cookies products. Where can they find you? Cookies.co every day. Come to our website. You'll be able to see the products that we have, the stores, where to buy your cookies products. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. We'll link it up on the show notes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network. Network.